Are you ready to make the right moves and unlock your passion? Welcome to From the Inside Out with your host, Carla D. Walker. To be your best self in your personal life and your business life, all you need to do is look within yourself. Now, here is Carla D. Walker. Well, good morning, world. How are you this morning? It is absolutely beautiful today. And we are so blessed to have such a wonderful guest with us this morning. I got to tell you, I am so excited about having this person on. I just cannot tell you. I can't wait to hear it. And in fact, we're going to do a uh, three-part series with her um, because she is so talented and has so much to share. And I think the world's got to hear it. Uh, But before we start, I want to let you say this is going to be one of the best days of your life. You are going to live your life fully. People are going to come to you because you're just going to draw them to you with your magnetic energy. The joy that you bring, the intensity, the love, everyone is going to feel it. You're going to feel love from people today that you didn't realize loved you. This is going to be fabulous. And so grateful. I'm so grateful to have you here. I want to share that gratitude with you through my guests. I also want you to feel gratitude and give gratitude to those people who are around you. Tell people, people, tell people now that you're thankful for them. Let them know today that you're blessed to have them in your life. Don't keep it from them. Don't keep it a secret. Let them know. They'll appreciate it, and you will feel better for it. So I want to get started. We've got so much to talk about. The young lady that I have on my show today is just a vocal genius. Her name is Donna McElroy. And you're going to hear some of the music playing in the back. This is her original music. And we want, I want you to know that talent comes in all shapes, forms, sizes, colors, but talent doesn't always come as big as Donna. She's got a lot to share. She's got such a rich musical history. She's been singing for such a long time. She's going to share that with us. Donna is currently a professor at Berklee College of Music in Boston, one of the top music schools in the world, not the country, in the world. And she's got so much to share with us in terms of her life and her story and her music and what she's got going next. This is just going to be a great show. So without further ado, I want to say hello, Donna. Hello. How are you doing today? I am doing fabulous. And you? I am doing so great, and I'm honored to be asked to share my story and uh, my life uh, with your listeners. That is, it's an amazing thing for me to be able to talk about my career and, and the experiences that I've had. Well, you know, it's, it's one thing for us to talk about what we want to do, and it's another thing to actually do it. And you have actually done it or are doing it. I shouldn't say done it because you're not finished. You've got so much more to do. Um, And we also have talked on this show about finding our purpose, you know, 
going after our dream, not giving up, setting goals, moving forward, not letting things stop you. And so I think it's just so fitting to have someone of your caliber, someone of your strength on our show to talk about an, an industry and your experience in it that is probably one of the toughest to be in. And particularly, I think, tough for a female in and particularly maybe a black female um, uh, in the music industry. But uh, I think our listeners uh, have a lot to learn from you. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited to hear your story. Um, Donna, why don't you tell us, who is Donna McElroy? And how did it all begin? What's your story? Well, I grew up. Uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, my mother was a singer. My brothers and sisters were all singing by the they were older and they were singing by the time I came out and uh, I was a baby in the choir practice in the back, disrupting things, uh, mimicking their voices and uh, listening to my mother sing and uh, very musical, very animated, very clownish, very cajolish. Even as a as a really young baby, uh, bouncy, bouncy, you know, <laughs> and stealing people's attention, and um, uh, I just always knew that I was supposed to be a performer. I kind of got it when as soon as I came out, and so that's uh, that's kind of the beginning of my career. I would say I was always in front of people, dancing and imitating people and doing voices and, and uh, just what, what, what my mother used to call clowning around. Little did I know that all that was building a skill set for me as I went out into the professional world to be able to shift, shift and adjust the situations that I'd be in, you know, um, but when I got out of high school, uh, I went to Nashville, Tennessee, with a friend of my grandmother's. Who this is? This is a roundabout way of saying it. It is important to to be in the right place at the right time. So my grandmother was the secretary in our church, and a friend of hers had gone to Fisk, and he knew the current president of Fisk University. So he took me to Nashville on a Saturday morning to mm-hmm. sing for this man in the Fisk Chapel. This is an iconic place on the campus of Fisk University. And uh, he gave me immediately a, a scholarship, and I joined the Jubilee Singers as soon as I got into the, in, in enrolled in, in the college. And that kind of began my my uh, love for a cappella music and for choral singing and for conducting and and the love of uh, the Negro spiritual, which I teach now at Berkeley College, so it's full circle. Yeah. So, Donna, so um, the Jubilee Singers at Fisk University sing a lot of a cappella music? Yes. Okay, and, and for those listeners who may not know or I'm not quite sure what acapella is. Uh, can you tell us what that is? Acapella is singing without any other instrument. Um, so you, you hit a pitch and everybody knows their first note and you 
you just the conductor just counts it off and everybody starts singing rather than there being an introduction played by the guitarist or the flugel horn or you know there's no other music around a cappella music just the singers and so that's uh, that's pretty difficult to do huh it is difficult. However, there is a rage in this country right now. There's been a lot of a cappella competition, a lot of interest, uh, 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 increase in interest in the a cappella tradition in this country right now. Um, I think the roots of which might have been helped by a group called Take Six, yeah. which was uh, signed to Warner at, right before I signed with Warner Records. Uh, Take Six was uh, signed, and uh, they when they came out, it was just like, oh, wow, you can sing without a band with being with you and create wonderful harmonies and, and, and uh, accompaniment for yourself as a group. That is amazing thing, you know? Yeah. I think also there's a, I mean, you talk about the rage, and I'm thinking about there's a show on one of the networks uh, that have, I think it's called World's Best, and they have a six or seven, I think, gentlemen who are doing a cappella, not only with their uh, singing, but they're also doing instruments that way, which is yeah. absolutely fantastic. Yeah. But I think it also had the roots um, uh, back in the day when people used to stand on the corner and sing. Yeah. And and harmonize and sing with, like you said, without music. And it it was just amazing. And and maybe even in Boston or in New York, in the subway, people are doing that as well. So it's something that has not, that is, uh, uh, that has really caught hold, I think, in America. That's exactly right. And and you know what? Um, There's nothing more pure, I don't think, than an acapella voice, um, Sometimes in the subway you'll see the the guy or the lady standing and someone will, or maybe he will be uh, drumming on a bucket or some kind of a percussive instrument. And um, that is so close to the tradition uh, of uh, a cappella music that goes way back, way back uh, to prior to the slave days. But definitely the slave tradition, the, the Negro spiritual tradition, was uh, enhanced by that form of singing over the hundreds of years that we've been here in this diaspora. Fantastic. I want to get back to, to your story. I think we were at high school. You were graduated from high school, gone to fix, and you were going to Nashville or went to Nashville with a friend. Yeah, I went to Nashville with my my best friend, uh, Vicki Hampton, and uh, this is fresh out of graduation from Fisk. We both uh, merged there in Nashville and started um, singing background on different albums and demos for different projects and different artists. Um, And Nashville was trying to broaden its horizon past country music and gospel music. And so there were great publishers who needed um, to, you know, in, in, a, in an attempt to pitch to Natalie Cole or to Aretha Franklin or to Gladys Knight or to Roberta Flack or to the current uh, African-American singers in the industry then, 
they were very thrilled to have two two uh, young African-American women who, who could sing, you know, who could really, really sing and demo these songs and, and give the artists that they were pitching the songs to an idea of what it would, be, what it would sound like for an African-American singer to sing the songs. And that really began our uh, uh, long-standing run in the, in the Nashville area. As a matter of fact, my friend Vicki is still there. She's still singing. She's on the road. She's in the studio. She's very, very busy. She's still singing. She's she's still wow. doing it. So so let me, let me. I just want. I just want to make a point of something that you said. You went to Nashville. You didn't go to Nashville and start singing as a star. And they didn't just do a, do a record and put it out there for you. You went to Nashville and started singing backgrounds and doing demos or covers for for other artists, for, for the record company to give to other artists to hear. Is that correct? Am I understanding that correctly? Yes. It was, it, it, that, that's, that's what is done these days is, is a, a writer who maybe plays a little bit of piano or a little bit of guitar sits down with a, a, a recording machine and they sing out uh, uh, their idea for a song then they send it to a singer and the rhythm section comes into the studio, and they they cut what they call a demo of the song. Or uh, maybe they don't go in the, into the studio. Maybe that writer has uh, facility software in his apartment or his house or his garage where he can just call the singer and say, listen, I programmed the drums and bass and keyboard and guitar part, and I played a little bit of the saxophone, and... And I want you to sing background and lead on this demo that we're, I'm going to pitch to, say, Vanessa Williams or, or some... Uh, and, and, you know, they weren't pitching my demos to just African-American singers either. It was just a, they wanted a good singer to sing their song. So that, okay. that's how we got started, you know? Okay. Do you, can you, do you remember any songs that you, that you did that maybe we would know? Mm-hmm, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <Nope>. So, <laughs> so I'm saying that to say everything that's pitched doesn't automatically either get um, uh, received uh, or uh, received well by the artist or uh, goes further than just the pitch, right? That's exactly right. I mean, um, say you have a an artist who has just had a number one hit or a number in the top ten. And then that draws a lot of attention from publishers and songwriters and people all over the world to that artist. So that they, uh, the next album or the next thing that they, the production that they work on, they've got a bunch, like hundreds, literally thousands possibly, demos from all over the world uh, from different people who want their song to be included in the next 10 to 12 to 15 songs on their on their next project okay it's kind of um you you become part of the milieu of artists choices to make uh and maybe they like the song and maybe they like what you did with the song or maybe they just Many times, you know, many times there's a political reason why you should record this song from this publisher 
from this songwriter because this songwriter is hooked up with this other songwriter over here, and eventually we it, it's a, it's always a chess game. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's not just I sing great. Let me sing for you, okay? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I kind of thought it was when I was first starting out, and then I've realized over the years it is. Um, it's much more intricate and much more planned and thought through than just right place, right time. Okay. This is fantastic. I, I, I love that because I think so many uh, young, a lot of young people today think that um, they pitch a song or they do a song now on, um, not Instagram, on YouTube or um, as part of their uh, uh, podcast or however they do it or through the internet and that it may instantly be taken up and uh, a lot of these singers have a lot of uh, followers they have great voices but the song may not be right or it may not be the right time for them uh, as as they're going through it and so it's good to hear that just being a part of the record industry or our recording company I would say it's not all about just the the stars that we end up seeing, there are a lot of people in the background making this work, making this making this happen. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. And and uh, you hit the nail on the head. Is those people in the background? They've got to have a. They've got to pay their bills too. Yeah. So they're 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 glad to have that job in the background because it's 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 supplying them with the income for life. Yeah. And you got to eat until you get discovered. And yeah. so that's how I teach. I don't teach like go in and expect to be a star and they're going to discover you and they're going to take you from that audition into the studio. You know, that's right. <laughs> you know, I, I teach my singers how to be working uh, professional musicians uh, ah. so that you can, you, can, you can sustain your life. Uh, until you walk into the situation and every situation you should expect the best out of that situation that will put, propel you to the next perfect situation. And everything builds up to the, and even the Grammys, when you get to the Grammys, the Grammys is on the way to the next project. Uh-huh. So there is no height ultimate. The ultimate is uh, the grave, and they're playing all your hit records for the people that are in your memorial service. <laughs> <As you are. laughs> uh, that's about as, as far as it can go. And then there's people who are iconic, whose lives, whose, whose work, whose singing, whose careers live way beyond their, their uh, death. Um, and we, we've, we've seen a few of them lately in the last few years uh, uh, who will live forever, artists who will live forever. So, Yeah, um I, when you said it, I just just thinking about. Well, I think it was last week where we just saw the tribute uh, to Rita Franklin, which yeah. I thought they did a a beautiful job uh, of uh, really yeah. celebrating her and her life and uh, her singing. And you you sat down with the Queen for a minute, didn't you? I did. I had a, a lovely opportunity to sit with. Uh, Miss Franklin, when she came to Boston to be honored by Berkeley College with a with an honorary doctorate, and she um, 
we sat for a few, just a few, just briefly, but it was long enough for us to to love on each other a little bit. And she just kind of encouraged me and urged me on, and and uh, you know, kind of I would say blessed me and kissed me and hugged me as a mother would. You know, yeah. she nurtured me in those few moments, and I was just oh, man. I, with that, you can go on with the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is a gift in itself, isn't it? To get feedback from someone who has really been through the trenches. Yeah. And 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 really perfected and learned her her craft. And, you know, <clears throat> I think your, your voice is a gift from God, right? So um, to have someone who had such a gift... And then to share her uh, experiences and and give you that encouragement means a bu- uh, a lot, a lot. Right, and and you know uh, to 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 stick with your dream through uh, happiness and adversity. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I learned from the life of 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 especially Miss Franklin because she kept going. She kept going. Uh, people like her and Gladys Knight. Uh, there's there's a lot. There's a great story to tell for everyone who's just kept going, kept it going. Uh, I am a singer. I was a singer, and I will be a singer. Not I'm. I'm gonna I'm do this singing thing until it doesn't work out, or I, or I get bored, or I get tired, or I get hurt, or I get embarrassed, or I get some bad press. Or if this record doesn't go well, then I'm just going to just stop and go do hair or something, you know. <laughs> no, if you are an entertainer, you're, you're going to be there. It's, it's just yeah. it's in your blood, you know. Yeah, yeah. I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's something that you have to do. It's like breathing, yeah. you know. You, yeah. I, I I can't go a day without doing it. I can't go an hour without thinking about it or rehearsing That's it or right. perfecting right. what I'm doing. That's right. I love I love the just the, the you know there was there's an old song called "With a Song in My Heart." Yeah, really an old tune from the, from the forties. Like, oh God, it's so old. And I, it just it, you know I just when I feel like I'm going to give up or I feel like I want to retire or I feel like I want to not go into class that day, which, you know, it happens a lot. (laughs) I have to start thinking about all the the beautiful music that I'm going to hear when I get there, when I get there and I get to meet up with these students and we're in my studio and they're showing me what they've worked on and, and we are sharing the joy of singing and it's it and that's what propels me onward yeah who are some of your uh, I want to ask you about uh, stories that fun maybe a funny story that that happened as you are you know developing your craft and you're working in Nashville um, which is a, a lovely city not much different I don't think from Louisville Um so there may have been some comfort there in that it's a, a southern um, uh, water uh, front city, but it's a little bigger. 
<laughs> than, than Louisville. But any funny story that you can um, share with us as you talk about your experiences working there? Funny story. Oh, God. <laughs> Man, I, you know, I, I, there are so many stories. And uh, anybody old will know these two names, an old soul singer, R&B singer, is, a, is a, the mentor of Dolly Parton and decided he wanted to help Joe demo his or do some pre-production on his new album. And myself and my best friend and uh, a third member of our little trio, this was early on, this was really early on, decided we, uh, we, we were going to go in and sing background for them. And that was... Uh, that was the, one of the interesting experiences that we had with, um, shall we say, uh, an established misogyny that existed in the industry. And I won't go any further in the description of the experience than that. Uh-oh. But just say we had to put up with a little bit of silliness and mishigas as we were trying to sing background on this guy's demo. And... Uh, <laughs> And that was kind of funny because it only was a foretaste of gory divine for me in terms of other later experiences that I would have with different guys and different uh, established people in the industry mm. who take things for granted a little bit. And the, 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 the season, the, the atmosphere has changed in, in the industry as well as to what... Uh, women will accept as acceptable behavior uh, from men. We we didn't know any better when we were uh, allowing <laughs> different things to happen in our sessions and different things to be said to us. Now, there's a some there's one thing that I can tell you. Um, I, I talk to my students students a lot about singing your best uh, version of things, your best version, and just go with it and use your imagination, especially Caucasian singers where they say, they come to me and they say, the guy wanted me to sing black. What does that mean? I'm, I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I had that too when I was coming up. They were, could you sing more black? I'm like, it's three black chicks out here. What are you talking about? <laughs> How, how black do you really want it, you know? Uh, hey, Donna, we're yeah. gonna, I, I want you to finish the story when we come back from break. Uh, uh, so we'll, we'll see you guys and we'll finish the story when she comes back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you keep past regrets, hurt, pain, and disappointment with you for years or even a lifetime after the experiences? 
Feel free to clear the air and express yourself as a creative, intuitive, and powerful woman. Listen to Heal Past Wounds and Bring Joy Back with host Andrea Lewis. Andrea and her guests will show you that whatever happened in your past, it doesn't have to define you. Get ready to bring joy back into your life. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. The White House Doctor Makes House Calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned into From the Inside Out. To reach Carla Walker or her guest today, call us at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to... Carla Walker from the inside out at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Well, welcome back. Donna's got to finish the story for us. Uh, uh, so now, and, and because you know, I want to hear the ending, but also I want you guys to remember she's telling you the story uh, in context of the time and the period that we're talking about. Uh, so this is, you know, maybe 20. 25 years, 30 years ago? 30, 30, 30, maybe even 32 years ago. I mean, Carla, I'm an old woman. (laughs) I sound young. I sound young and vivacious, but I'm an old woman. Uh, (laughs) No, this was was many, many, many years ago. Uh, And um, that was just the way it was. I'm very proud of the young ladies, young people in general today who are not taking insult or abuse uh, lightly and they're not taking it at all. I'm very, very proud of the new generation of singers and entertainers and people who are being uh, interviewed and subjected to uh, less than respectful treatment by anyone. So proud of that. Yes. Uh, the, with the Me Too movement, we've heard a lot of it. And, and with the advent or the more acceptance, I guess I would say, of, of the LGBTQ community and uh, transgenders and all of that, I, I assume that uh, there is still some of that going on, uh, not only for men and women uh, who may be, uh, quote unquote, straight, but uh, for everyone uh, who is working Correct. in the- they may see it, and uh, those who 
uh, step out and say stop or no, I'm not going to take that, uh, we salute you. Um, uh, and uh, keep, I mean, to make it harder, but keep on keeping on. There are people who are uh, supporting you and who are pushing you forward. But you know, Dr. Well, I want I want to know how black are you? <laughs> how do you sing black? And did they ever ask you to sing white? How do you sing white? <laughs> I think that was just a um, a desire for you to uh, to sing in a, with a sound that was stereotypically identified with African American music. Okay. Uh, so it was country. It was country. So at this point in time. Uh, people like Conway Twitty and Barbara Mandrell and Kenny Rogers and all the big stars were were trying to the record companies were trying to broaden the the um, the market for these artists and that meant to to gain a a richer and deeper and more African American demographic in listening audience and so. Barbara Mandrell was singing uh, songs like, If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. You know, I think that was maybe Luther Ingram who had put that out earlier. The tradition being that any old soul song, we'll just take it and renew it and bring it forward and put some black background singers on that record, and then Barbara Mandrell will gain a little bit more of a demographic Gotcha. Uh, a piece of the pie because uh, anybody black driving along or listening to her music would say, wow, I know that song. You know, same yeah. thing with uh, Conway Twitty uh, recording uh, Slow Hand by the by the Pointer Sisters. I want a girl with a slow hand. I want a liver with an easy touch. You know, that kind of thing. Well, he had to have background singers that kind of reminisced of the pointers. Ah. So there we were back there. Slow hands, easy touch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, yes, it worked. And I got a couple of demo. I got a couple of uh, soul, uh, duets out of the out of the, 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 the efforts of country to cross over a little bit and draw in more R&B sounds. So I, I, I'm not griping about it at all. As a matter of fact, uh, country has come a heck of a long way. Oh, yeah. Country music has come a heck of a long way over the years. It's sometimes hard to tell if it's country or not. And you were talking, and I thought, well, what about Charlie Pride? Charlie Pride was pure country. Yeah, he was. He was pure country. Charlie Pride was, and, 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 and shameless about it. Yeah. And uh, we sang on some of his stuff, and but they still wanted us to sound as African-American and gospel as possible. I mean, hmm. why call in black singers if, you, if you're not going to get them to sound as gospel as possible? I right. think what they meant was, there's a difference between a straight tone. Now, I'm, I'm going get, to get a little technical on you here. Okay. There's a difference between a straight tone uh, and a vibrotic tone, where you use a lot of uh, waver in your, in your sound. Now, there's a, a, a moderate vibrato. Uh, 
you hear the waver, and then yeah. there's a thicker vibrato. You know, that kind of thing. And I think that if you're not a singer who can sing the straight tone all the way across the spectrum of vibratos and okay. sounds and timbres, then you, you won't make as much money as some other singers who can do anything with their voices. Uh, we could do anything with our voices. So that made us very popular. Yeah. When did you discover that you had a gift? And how did you eventually find your purpose? Mm, well, I'm still discovering the gift. I don't really know what it is other than that God blessed me with a very uh, intense ability to hear, to hear pitches and to hear uh, 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 sentiments in the sound of the music, uh, the emotions that are being uh, expressed through that composition. And um, I am still searching for the ultimate expression of that sentiment. I'm still searching for it, and I won't stop searching for it. I don't think any uh, musician or singer or person who is uh, musical should ever stop searching for the ultimate expression of their uh, their gift. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I kind of am, I haven't found it yet. I guess that's the answer to your question. I haven't found it yet, but in, the search has been so glorious, yeah. Carla. It has just been really, really wonderful. Yeah. Now, you also, uh, you don't have just one particular genre that uh, you would say, well, this is my thing and this is, what I, this is the only thing that I sing, right? Right. Because you have, right. and I, I want to say this, I mean, you have, received or been involved in, in music that have received Grammys and Dove Awards. Um, I want to say, did I see an Emmy, too? Mm, I don't, maybe, maybe an Emmy ends up somewhere, but I don't think Emmy. I, okay. I never received a notification that I had an Emmy, but uh, possibly some shows that I may have appeared on that background behind somebody might have won Emmys, but they never notified me. (laughs) (laughs) But Grammy, yeah, I was nominated for a Grammy uh, for my first album, uh, Bigger World, that was released in 89 through Warner Brothers in Nashville. And um, it was from a... um, uh, an arrangement of Duke Ellington's Come Sunday that uh, Warren, Mervyn Warren did. And uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful arrangement. Um, and uh, that was probably... And then I, I did win a Dove Award for an, uh, an, uh, another uh, project that I worked on with my former boss, Amy Grant. Amy Grant and I are still in contact. We still love each other. She's a good friend, uh, and she was a very young lady when we started working together, and we kind of grew up together, even though I was several years older than she was. She was was a big influence in my my, uh, recovery as, uh, as, as a... 
singer, as a human being, I had just had a, a really horrible, life-threatening wreck before oh. I joined Amy and her band, and we went out on the road. I was with Amy for nine years. Wow. And, yeah, yeah, on the road and singing on her records, and uh, uh, thank God I, I met people who were able to see that through all of the craziness that it appeared that I was going through, I was still really talented and could, and could do the music. And so they, they hired me, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. That's that fabulous. Amy Grant is one of those singers that you talk about who... I think some when people just listened to her didn't realize that she was a a, a white singer. Right. Uh, how was it working in her in her band? Was it and and how did what did you get out of that experience that was valuable that you would say you know if you have an opportunity you should do this kind of thing to to our listeners. Um, mainly, what I got there are a couple of things. From Amy Grant's band, I got unconditional love, opportunity to reestablish my faith identity within me, uh, opportunity to recover from the head injury that I had had. I, I had a horrible wreck in 81, and then I went out on the road with Amy in 82, maybe spring of 82, and I was still not there yet. I, I can say that because now I'm, I'm, I'm 40, it's 40 years later, or maybe even more, and I'm still not all back, you know? <laughs> so I know that I was a basket case, but she, they saw, she and her management saw um, enough musicality in me that they, they asked me to go out on the road with her, and uh, I was able to rebuild my vocal strength and rebuild my, mainly my faith in God, uh, because the songs were so rich, the lyrics were so true to what I was going through, and they still are. She's still a great songwriter. Yeah, and it sounds like a, a great friend as well. She is a wonderful friend. She took a risk, and, yeah. and but didn't see it as a risk. And, and brought you with her. Yeah, well, she she's one. She we are the we are of the same zodiac sign. So I kind of relate to her on on that level as well. With which is you you can look at what people see and not see the same thing, and you can look at what man expects and not really make the same demand on yourself. You can move beyond what is the obvious thing that people are being lazy and not using their imaginations and move beyond that. And she hired me, but she also changed genres. She crossed over with yeah. a lot of trouble from the Christian industry, from the gospel industry. She crossed over and uh, survived it and is still a, a, a working singer. And... Um, a heck of a, a friend, a, a, a glorious woman, yeah. So I, I imagine it's important to cultivate those relationships uh, in the industry, and when you find somebody who 
takes an interest in you, a real interest in you, and is willing to support you, that's somebody that you keep in, in your life. Correct. Correct. Because, uh, you know, if I don't talk to Amy for eight years, I, 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 you know, and she calls me or I call her, she goes, Donna McElroy, how you doing? I'm like, okay. It's just like we just hung up yesterday. Uh, that, and that's she has a, a song that she co-wrote. I think maybe she co-wrote it with Michael W. Smith or Michael wrote it and they used to, we used to sing it on the tour all the time. Friends are friends. Forever, and I I love that song. It's the whole idea of, you know, if if we've touched each other and we, you know, we see that there is a relationship. Relationships don't die, you know. So. Yeah, I realized that 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 was a probably one of the biggest challenges that you had uh, during the time that year. What was going on leading up to that year uh, before you had your accident? Where where were you musically, would you say? Mm, before the accident, I was not long out of Fisk University. I graduated in 77. I had the accident four years later. Okay. So when I got out of Fisk, I was kind of jumping around like a like a, a Mexican jumping bean, you know, just popping in and out of different situations. I freshly walked from the campus of Fisk onto a plane to fly over to the French West Coast of Africa. And okay. that's a long story I'll have to tell you about at a later date. But basically, <laughs> I got an opportunity to go over with... Uh, an extension of the James Brown organization. Wow. And uh, back up a young man whose name is Alain Bongo. And he was 18 at the time. He was, it was his 18th birthday, and his father, the president of Libreville Gabon, Gabon um, was giving him an 18th birthday present of a few million dollars and a French West African tour which was going to be, music of which was going to be provided by James Brown's extension in America. And mm -hmm. so we all flew over and we toured the French West African uh, coast of Africa uh, and went to Senegal, where they went, we went to uh, Togo, we went to Gabon, we went to... Um, Several of the French West African, Ivory Coast, we, we went there. Um, and then when we came back, um, that was in 77. The day I flew back in, Elvis Presley had died, and the plane was landing at LaGuardia. We didn't have a JFK in 77. They were just still planning it. And, uh, you know, that, that was kind of, for me, a symbolic, an emotional symbolic Thing that I said, well, okay, Elvis, I got it now. You, you, you go on, baby. Rest your soul. Rest your soul, and I'll pick up the torch here and every other young musician in America who's an unknown, who's got soul, who's got the vibe, who's got everything. We'll do it for you. And um, I got off the boat, got off the plane, and went back to Nashville, and that's when I started just uh, demoing and singing and, and getting opportunities and 
not missing out on any opportunities. Uh, I was still in church. I was helping a church to get founded. I was one of the founding members of this church. And the day I had the wreck was the first service of this new church. Okay. And I didn't make it to the service. And uh, they knew something had happened because I had a solo. Oh. And uh, I didn't get there to sing my solo, and so that that was like one of the big things that happened in my in my life. I I, I was able to uh, survive that that horrible head injury and uh, rebuild my personality, my memory. I really had to rebuild it because I didn't remember anything. Had a oh. tremendous memory loss, so kind of like a second life, a second chance to get it right. Wow, yeah, that has got to be traumatic in itself. And then to to, to have that happen, and then to try to get back into the industry, and then to hook up with Amy Grant. Uh, yeah, it, it, that that's an amazing story. It's a remarkable little t- uh, couple of years. That, that went on in my life. In the middle of that, though, you know, right after the wreck, I, I met up with uh, uh, an artist who you may not remember. You may remember her. Her name is Crystal Gale. Yeah, I remember Crystal Gale. Yeah, I sang with Crystal for about six months in between the wreck and Amy. I was out on the road with Crystal for about six months. And now, Crystal Gale, for our listeners, was, uh, or is, I should, it's Loretta Lynn's daughter, is that right? That's a, no, sister. Loretta Lynn's sister. Sister, okay, yeah, okay. Right, right. And uh, 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 she was gracious and lovely and gave me an opportunity to, uh, to go on automatic pilot and just go out on the road and be able to sustain myself and make an income while I was, Really, really uh, head injured. I mean, I was, I was in bad shape, and um, I had a really good friend. Her name was Patty, uh-huh. and she had had a similar head injury. And she was uh, Crystal's background singer. And she went to Crystal, and she asked Crystal if you could just hire this woman. She needs to be doing what she does. She doesn't need to be sitting up. Uh, ruminating in some room by herself. She needs to be doing her thing. I know that if I had been able to go out and do what I do when I had my wreck, yeah. I would be in better. My, I would have had a faster recovery. So Crystal hired me, and it was yeah. an amazing uh, blessing in my life. Uh, wow! And uh, I went out on the road with her for these six months. This was when country was really popular, and uh, there was a lot of Las Vegas visitations and a lot of MGM Grand appearances, and it was absolutely wonderful. It was wonderful. And then when I so, came back from that, I, uh, I kind of was in better shape, so that by the time that I met up with Amy, I was in much better singing shape. and. Uh-huh. And mentally a little bit more stable, you know. Okay. Wow, that's it's. it's I, I, I'm amazed at how, um, and we're talking about the country music industry who embraced you this way. 
and yes, allow you to heal. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What did you say? <clears throat> I said, I said, we're talking about the country music industry who embraced you this way and allowed you to heal uh, while you were, uh, uh, after your accident. Yes. Yes, I owe, it, I owe a lot to Nashville, Tennessee and the producers and the artists and the, and the, uh, the, the people who work in the industry in Nashville. I owe a lot to them. It sounds like you were in the right place, a very like they were very caring and nurturing. And I don't, I'm not I'm not saying that all of artists are that way, but what you experience in, in country music uh, industry, uh, I think, may become a surprise to some people who are not country music fans, if you will, uh, in terms of the way that they they were able to embrace you. Uh, but also how you continue to sing with them and uh, be a part of that family. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I, I like like I tell my singers uh, that I'm when I, that I'm teaching and training. I say to them, do not be a jazz singer. Do not be a pop singer. Do not be an R and B singer. Be a singer, and that way you'll be able to walk into any situation audition for it, and nail it. But if you don't know the elements of each style of singing that you're emulating while you're singing, then you could possibly miss out on some opportunities because you chose to, um, to not bend a little bit. You know, some, we're back to that straight tone versus the wobble. Right. Uh, Concept, you know, if you if you sing too straight, then you might not get the gig, and if you sing too wobbly, then you once again you might not get the gig. You have to be flexible and and give them what they're asking you to do. And so what I'm hearing you say is that if you are a singer, then you need to sing anything and everything and be able to do it well if you want a real career. And a career, not just a, a, a two-year gig or one-hit one wonder. If you want a career in music, you need to be able to sing and sing well in any genre available. Exactly. Carla, you could, I couldn't have said that better myself. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. You know, I have have enjoyed this conversation so much, and we have just touched the iceberg here uh, in terms of of talking. So, you know, I've got to have you come back. You know that, right? You've got to come back, and we have to have more conversation. Well, uh, I am so happy that you are interested in my life story, and I can't wait till we talk again. You know, you have many more stories to tell. Uh, so I want to know about the story in Africa. I can't wait to hear the Africa, the story when you went to Africa. I know that, that uh, that's one that's going to be interesting. Whoa. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I want to hear more stories uh, about uh, the music because industry, your life, and your career, and but also you, because you not only sang in Nashville, you sang outside of Nashville, right? Did you sing other than country music? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
especially since I've, you know, been in Boston for the last 24 years, and, I, you know, the big, the big thing at Berkeley was uh, jazz music and uh, great American songbook music. Um, and so I, I, I extended my training uh, and my versatility by coming into a new environment that demanded more of singers than what I was doing in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, because see, I want to hear, I want to hear from you more about uh, that, but also want you to give us a little background on Berkeley College of Music because everybody may not know or may not have heard of Berkeley College of Music. I think when I, when somebody said Berkeley to me, the first thing I think about is California, and uh, uh, Boston is certainly not California, particularly right now. Uh, it's cold, but <laughs> but uh, and Boston has a rich history, but uh, uh, so does Berkeley College, and so want to hear more about that and uh, and why do people come to Berkeley College and and uh, your experience uh, in that in that frame as well. So I am I am so looking forward to our next segment and. Uh, uh, we'll let you know uh, when uh, uh, Donna will be on again. It, will, it won't be too long. But um, Donna, I got to thank you. This has been a great hour. I hope you have enjoyed uh, being on the show as we have enjoyed you. I've loved it. Fantastic. So from, from this is Carla to my audience on the inside out. We love you. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to From the Inside Out. Be sure to join your host, Cara D. Walker, for another episode of the program next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have the best week.